This June, me and my team headed back to New Hampshire to visit Porkfest, an annual festival for libertarians, free staters, and pretty much anyone who wants to live their life free on their own terms. It's an amazing event filled with all sorts of interesting people. This is one of the conversations I had there. Welcome to Kibbe on Liberty. Lou, what's going on? Kibbe, I'm, uh, it's great to see you in New Hampshire, man. Yeah. yeah, we've been going back and forth trying to find a time to do this, and here we are in New Hampshire. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. No. No, we, uh, we are at Pork Fest yeah. right now, the Porcupine Festival, Free State Project. How many times have you done this? Is this are you a newbie? The, yeah, well, relatively, um, because I, I've done like Liberty Forum a bunch in uh, in Manchester, uh, but I've only been to Porkfest once, and that was I say like maybe like maybe ten years ago, maybe yeah. ten or twelve years ago. It was my first time there, and um, I'm good friends with Carla Garrick, and uh, Carla, you know, had you know such a you know played such a pivotal role in the Free State Project and, and that, and we went to school together, graduate school. And uh, she invited me up, and it was it was kind of like my early days of you know, liberty, libertarianism, and all that. And uh, I got this idea. I was like, oh, you know, while I'm here, I'm gonna I'll like interview people, and maybe I could write about it. Uh, so I was walking around with a notepad, and people were like, who the hell is this guy taking notes, talking to us, and all that? So fed. Yeah, yeah, yeah total, yeah, totally fed, total fed. Yeah, and which, which sucks because I mean, you know. You would think like the feds would reach out, you know, right. but, but they're just not interested. You, you have notes. Yeah, I have. I have so I mean, many. I mean, they might be interested. Yeah, uh, people were trading. You know, uh, trading. That was a uh, agorism. That was the yeah. first time I'd ever, you know, heard about that. Uh, but yeah, twelve years. About twelve years later, I'm back. They so. were trading other things too. Oh yeah, I think bodies. Yeah, you know, I've 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 yet to meet the you know the crypto sexual currency you know that's sort of well it's here i mean <laughs> it's, it's here it's somewhere but but that section is back because the kids really shouldn't be exposed to that right right uh there's a for, for those of you uh who haven't been here uh you also might be surprised by the amount of nude activities yeah that are happening here right now did you compete in the nude olympics i uh i i i uh blew my test so i, I have peds you know performance enhancing drugs so i was not able to compete you yeah. know and it's uh, it's unfortunate because uh, i think I, I would have brought home a lot of uh, gold for uh for, for my country yeah. my people and and you were asking earlier I've, i have to ask this question um at the nude olympics do you have um um trans people sort of crossing over into the into the female competition yeah i, I mean it's obviously a, a concern that you have to have right with uh you know everything that's going on it, it's i guess it's a lot I would imagine, like, say, if you're like a trans runner, and I don't know, like, what all the uh, different competitions were. If you're a trans runner, um, you know, if you're not able to, you know, hold your stuff up, that's actually going to get in the way. So whatever, you know, you might have had an edge, you know, about being born male, but now when you're, you know, dick and balls are flopping around, that's that's just getting in the way. Did, are did, there any athletes in the audience who could <laughs> uh, attest to that? I, I don't know. I haven't I run. By. You walked by it. Yeah. No women involved in it. It's it's all dudes. Yeah, but you. By the way, you might have solved perhaps one of the most controversial social debates of our time, yeah. where the you know people that that want to be tolerant and people that that want to let people be whoever they are, are still uncomfortable with the idea that that um, 
you know, former men who transition to female. I don't know if I just got our show banned just by saying that. I don't even know what the rules are. It's definitely demonetized. I don't know how much money yeah. you make in Google ads, but yeah, they just all went away right now. Well, that we, we uh, should we go on? Let's let's sure. do it anyway. <laughs> well, well, one of the things I've I, 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 I've been um, uh, listening, you know, to, in on that that debate, and something that surprised me was a, a lot of um, people who transition they don't get, I guess, bottom surgery. They don't they don't go in for that, and I guess partly because of the risks being so high. Like, you know, while there's been so many uh, advancements in in medical science, like still in that area, there's uh, a lot more work to be done. Yeah, so I didn't know that. Yeah. But all all sort of like goofing around aside, um, what, what's your observation of uh, Porkfest 10 years ago? And I, I feel, I don't, I don't know exactly when I first came here, but it was probably not a dissimilar time. I, I think I've been here six or seven times. Mm. We'd have to consult the archives to see how true that is. And the Oracle. Yeah. The Porkfest but Oracle. I, but I, I remember a day when Porkfest was, was really a lot of extremely well-armed hippies that were just hanging out, quoting Murray Rothbard. And, and by the way, I'm saying this with love. almost emotion and love um, because I'm like, these are my people. Um, as the intellectual bastard child of Jerry Garcia and Ayn Rand, I finally had a home. But um, this year, uh, there's a lot of families and, and there's a lot of uh, true diversity, the kind of diversity that, that I would celebrate uh, meaning that, that that you know have everything um, on the spectrum from the nude Olympics, and maybe those nude Olympians are on acid. Let's right. speculate that. Whereas other other folks are doing um, Bible groups and family gatherings and and everything in between, and yet nobody nobody fights, nobody hurts each each other. There's there's something magical I think here. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely uh agree with that and um yeah, the family thing is is really interesting. Hey, that's a go- I got a shout out uh, on the uh Did did you pay her? Did you pay her to whoop? I did. That that was some some sexual crypto that I uh that I gave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um no, I mean, I've definitely noticed uh, you know, the uh the growth of of families here and I think ultimately you're sort of like, well, well, that's what's going to happen, right? If right, you, right. if you're uh, say a young person in your in your twenties, you first come to to Porkfest. Ten years later, you're probably going to be looking to uh, to start a family. Um, and I, I've I've started a family uh, since then. It's my wife. We have we have two uh, two boys, and so much of I guess you know our philosophy of raising them has been uh, you know shaped by the ideas of the people who you know who come here yeah. uh, and you know it could be tough too um, I think one, one of the things that that we're at least I'm struggling with is um, how do I you know discipline my children without resorting to you know smacks or spankings and, and all that um, and uh, you know because uh, you know the idea of like peaceful parenting and stuff that's something that I learned that I learned here you know and uh uh, yeah, so it's definitely it's definitely an interesting. An is there interesting an app time. for that? Like, is there a sort of a blockchain solution to to not having to smack your kids? Right. Yeah. I want. Well, I, I had this like observation because I grew up and uh, you know it's not like I was it's not like I was beaten you know uh, but I remember you know getting slapped and and stuff and now being a parent and just having so much pressure on me in the world and so much stress I I I sort of figured it out it's like oh some parents 
will hit their children because it's like the one fight they know they could win. <laughs> you know, like they can't hit their boss, yeah. you know, because that's going to go sideways. They can't, you know, go out to a bar and just get into a fight with a random guy because, you know, they're, they're approaching middle age. Maybe they don't know how to fight. But here you have this little piece of you that you can somehow metaphorically, you know, slap into shape and all that. So, well, know. the problem with that is, is particularly under free market capitalism, um, kids get tremendous nutrition and they grow up to be a lot larger than you are. Yeah. So there's probably paybacks a bitch. Well, I, I have that in my contract with my parents yeah. where it's like, yo, 30 years from now, <laughs> 30 years from then, it's like, you know, we're going to have that rematch. Yeah. So my mom is like 75 and she doesn't know any grappling whatsoever. You're feeling good about this. I'm, I'm feeling really good. Uh, about this um i don't know how my you know my grandkids my, well her grandkids will feel because then they're like look man yeah get your hands off grandma yeah well yeah. we're definitely demonetized now <laughs> but so let's uh um uh so so we we both love pork fest and we're here sort of sweating it out in the sun because literally like you you did not be, like, because my camera guys yeah. are like it's gonna look better if you guys sit out in the sun like is there any way we you guys you can get so hot and sweaty you guys just take your clothes off and we just do like you know, the, nude the, podcasting, nude podcasting, free the people, like literally free them from the constraints yeah. of clothing. Yeah. I don't know how my uh, partner Blaze TV would feel about that, but maybe let's maybe I don't know. I'm, I, now, now I just want to see Glenn Beck. I want to <laughs> see bare chested Glenn Beck just going wild. <laughs> oh, that's the. Uh, Okay, we're going to change subjects. <laughs> like we're going to do a hard right turn here or a hard left turn or something. But uh, you have a new book coming out. I do. It's, uh, did it's you my... see that transition? It was yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. At, at any point, you can just be like, so we have a new uh, new book. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be, it's actually my debut book. And I got um, a, have a propaganda card. there. Yeah, a little, uh, little postcard. It's called That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore on the Death and Rebirth of Comedy. And... Uh, yeah, and I, I got some 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 pretty good uh, reviews so far. Uh, Peter Bogosian, uh, yeah. co-author of How to Have Impossible Conversations, he describes it. He says, "Reading that joke isn't funny anymore is like drinking a cocktail from the safety of an orbitable." I just fuck. I just messed it up. Sorry. It's like drinking a cocktail from the safety of an orbital space station while watching the burning terrain below. It offers solace and perspective while witnessing the madness that's destroying society. He uses big words. Yeah, that 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 that's a big one uh, to you know to live up to. I really hope that the words in my book live up to that. Yeah. One. So. Well, we talked about this. I forget the last time you were on the show. It's been a while. Yeah. And sort of the the woke cancel culture screwing up comedy was still a relatively new thing, and you had guys like Jerry Seinfeld saying, "I'm not going to do college campuses," but it's gotten. Uh, I take it from from your book and by the way I love interviewing you before your book is released so I don't have to pretend that I read your book yeah. <laughs> and look like I know what you said but we'll explore it here but uh, the the question is um, whether or not um, woke culture has killed comedy and I take it from your title that or, or at least the blurb that you're like, yeah, it killed it, but it's also the opportunity for it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so much. Uh, I, I guess it's you know sort of an example of uh, maybe not a perfect example of like creative destruction. You know, yeah. where uh, you know basically it, ne what, it needed to be broken. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I think you know while people might say, oh, comedy's dead. It's like ironically, it's like the best time possible to be doing comedy because there's just so much lined up for people who are looking to uh, to get an audience. For one. 
uh, we have the technology where if you're a comedian, you're no longer on this one path of to success. It used to be like, oh, you do you do stand up and hey, maybe, you know, get to a point where you don't want to do the road anymore. But hey, now you have a sitcom. And then maybe now you maybe now you have movies. That's a direction. And now with the way things are and, and things being so cheap to be able to shoot and to stream and all that, you have all these opportunities for revenue streams and also a way to build your audience. So I think that like on its own is just an incredible opportunity. And then, you know, the, uh, the there's a, a, a natural, you know, sort of um, uh, thing about comedy where you take on sacred cows and it's like naturally whatever the new sacred cows are whatever's being propped up that's material yeah and if you have people you know you know in positions of you know sort of establishment players who aren't going to take on certain um certain subject matter or they're going to be like oh you know well uh you know you know we're making new rules as far as what you're allowed to talk about well that just opens up um you know so many opportunities for people uh to you know uh to hammer at it well, I wonder, like, I, I get that, and that, that I've talked for years about sort of the democratization of media, and it, mm-hmm. it, it allows, and I think about it in the context of music, it allows a lot of artists that would have never gotten oxygen in the old um, um, go meet the guy mm-hmm. smoking a cigarette and get the music contract, and now they can just publish their stuff. Um, but I wonder if there's a two-tiered system. I just watched the J- R- Ricky Gervais special um, Netflix, I guess. Yeah, su- Superhuman. I, I haven't watched yeah. it. Yet. Um, and and I wonder, and and I see Bill Maher sort of being more and more critical of woke culture and the speech mm-hmm. police, and just doing some fantastic stuff. But is there a two tiered system where, if you're Ricky Gervais, you, he's already got, as I understand it, two more contracts from Netflix, and that show is crazy. Like that that show, if he was just a guy, he mm-hmm. would have been canceled and perhaps murdered by by the woke mob, um, but he's big and he generates revenue. Is is it a two-tiered system or is that the Wild West for everybody? You don't have to have like a huge brand to break in or um, do you get demonetized? We were joking about it earlier, but um, will you get canceled, demonetized? Will they, will they take away your PayPal account and God knows what they right. do now? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's sort of, um, you know, sort of being in a position where if you're undeniable, things are going to go well for you, I, I, I think. And um, there's, you know, I mean, I'm definitely not on a, on a Ricky Gervais level, um, but uh, I mean, I mean, you know, yeah, sir, yeah, not not yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today on Kibbe on Liberty and for being part of our fiercely independent audience. Every week, my organization, Free the People, partners with Blaze TV to bring you this show. My guests bring smart perspectives on everything from current events to timeless philosophical debates. If you like what you hear, go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and support Kibbe on Liberty so we can continue to produce these honest conversations with interesting people. Now, let's get back to it. How this goes. Um, you know, Glenn, the blaze, come on, dude, hook it up. Yeah. Um, but I I mean, one, one of the things that I've noticed is, is sort of, uh, like if you're able to, you know, get... 10,000 fans of yours who really enjoy your stuff and love what you're doing and are willing to, you know, throw you five bucks a month. Yeah. My God, that's a, that's a really good living yeah. doing what you're, you know, doing what you're doing. You don't, you don't have to be on that, you know, the pantheon of, of comedians. You don't have to be Dave Chappelle. You don't have to be Ricky Gervais or, or, or even Bill Maher. Um, 
you can you can still you know survive and thrive um, by by you know cultivate cultivating that uh, that fan base. Um, so I think that I think that's something that that's definitely very positive on that. Yeah. Do, do you know the uh, the rapper Zuby? Do you follow him? So he's yeah. he's a great example of what you're describing. He um, he's a musician, but he has used uh, social media, particularly Twitter, to build a very loyal fan base. And and he he's, he seems to be thriving in that culture. Mm-hmm. Of course, if they take away his Twitter account, that that hurts, and you yeah. have to you have to keep sort of pivoting to to a safer place to to speak freely, I suppose. Yeah, and, and that, that's something I'd, I'd like to hear what you think about it. Um, you know, for a very long time, I've always been like, well, you know, private company, they could do what they want. But then what got me, you know, sort of. I don't know, a little unsure is just the idea of if you are, if you're a private company and you're silencing voices that the government is really happy that you're silencing. Yeah. Ooh, that, you know, that becomes a little, you know, very scary. You know, when um, I guess what what the prime example would be something like Parler, where it's like, uh, you know, really, all of these platforms, you know, all these platforms are coming <laughs> against yeah. it or, you know, you know, other figures like that. Yeah, there is um, it. It I have a lot of thoughts on this because it I've, I've been sort of that um, wild, optimistic, romantic view that that technology and social media was going to was going to liberate all of these these minority voices to to come into the conversation. And and I think this latest um I'll call it a collusion. It's definitely uh, a partnership between government and these big tech companies. And part of it's financial. Mm-hmm. Part of it is, um, and let's let's take uh, uh, vaccine information as an example. Definitely demonetize right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, I, I just I just said vaccine information. I didn't <laughs> express an opinion on that yet. Right. But um, it's not um, hard to notice. That between actual government agencies advertising on social media platforms and pharmaceutical companies advertising on social media platforms, that has to be like a, a pretty substantial, if not dominant, revenue stream for these guys. And I, and and couple that with um, Joe Biden's press secretary, whose name escapes me now. Oh, and, Saki. Yeah, Saki. Yeah. Yeah. I think about the the drink. Yeah. 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 I love Saki. Well, not not Jen Psaki. <laughs> um, she uh, she came out and basically said, um, "We would really love for these companies, who we have a lot of power over, to to do better silencing our critics." Mm. And then, a couple days later, in a very Joe Biden way, Joe Biden said, "Facebook is literally killing people." Um, and. And then um, fast forward to the Surgeon General, maybe six months later, um, developing a, a hotline where you could rat out anybody that, that questioned the government's position on these health issues. There's, that, that's not a private company mm-hmm. anymore. That's at least a politically captured company that's afraid of being regulated out of existence. But maybe, I, I think it's more... Um, um, it's more of an ecosystem where they feed off of each other and and they would love, you know, Facebook would love for the government to write some rules that would make it very 
difficult for the next Facebook to come along and mm-hmm. put them out of business. So I, I don't, I don't buy this. Uh, I think it's a, a lazy libertarian argument when they say, "Oh, it's a private company; they can do what they want." Mm. Well, is it right? And and also, I mean, you know, the realities too. Like there are many people who work for that company, for these companies, or are you know in, in high positions of power at these companies, who agree one hundred percent with what. Uh, you know, the administration is pushing and would love to do nothing, mo- you know, nothing more than to help the administration push yeah. what they're uh, what they're pushing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough time to be a, uh, you know, a principled person when you, you pr- the principles are getting you fucked in a way. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't I don't think it's I don't think that's true. I'm go- I'm going to be an optimist and mm-hmm. and I'm I've not been particularly optimistic the last two years because I, and I'm suspecting that that I would get this from reading your book. What's it called again? That joke isn't funny anymore. On the death and rebirth of comedy, and and I'm going to agree with anything you say because I feel like I'm being there's so much hot light on me yeah. that I'm just going to rat out everybody <laughs> right now. There's hot, there's light coming there. There's light coming here. I'm just like, oh, and and your your advice is everyone should buy your book, but don't don't ever buy it on Amazon because they canceled Parlor. Oh my God! No, no, no! Uh, I think that if you buy it on Amazon, enough of them, they might be like, "Yeah, Parlor's great." Yeah. So wherever so, you can so get buy my book, multiple copies on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, multiple copies. Um, the audio version, which I'll be recording at some point. Yeah. That everything. Yeah. So I was going to say something optimistic. I, I think the revolution is these disparate voices that that have been canceled, and and when when you see, you know. Dave Chappelle get tackled on stage or you see mm-hmm. Bill Maher totally like he's um, he, he would have been the darling of the far left just a couple years ago and he spends most of his time now criticizing his own audience that that's pretty ballsy for him I think mm-hmm. um, but they've they've gone too far so the revolution now is shifting to, to guys like Rogan and and a thousand if not hundreds of thousands of baby Rogan's just out there saying, you know what, we're, we're going to say what we want. We're going to have these conversations and, and it's going to be a little more intellectually honest. So I, I'm thinking that we're at the point where um, particularly libertarians have this opportunity to reach people outside of these, these old bubbles. But, but right now it seems like a hellscape, mm. but that's, that's where good things come from. Well, I think, I think there's a, uh, the attitude of, hey, you know what, I, I, I disagree with you or I didn't like what you said, but, you know, I'm going to move on I'm, and I'm definitely not going to write to your boss and saying that you should be fired or that you should lose your livelihood. I think that resonates with a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, you could think, you know, we're crazy for the stuff that we believe in, but you know what, we're not going to try to tear you down. Yeah. I'm going to try to tear you down as a, as a human being or, you know, and. Uh, and I think that that goes a long way. So I, I, I think that there is something to be optimistic about, you know, staying true to uh, to your beliefs, staying true to your philosophy um, and opening it up and saying, hey, there's there's room here. You know? Yeah. I also think um, I mean, I, I feel like the, the woke mob and their their secret leaders who gather secretly in their secret lair, they they know what they're doing when they go after comedians first mm. and they go after anybody that deviates in the, in the creative artistic world. But, and we talked about this last time. Um, I've been still trying to develop this theory. I, I think, I think civil society falls apart without comedians mm. because 
you guys are the guys that get up on stage and and say uncomfortable things and tell uncomfortable jokes about the differences that we all have. It could be ethnic, it could be religious, it could be all the stereotypes of, of all of us. Um, and And you guys allow for people to start to work that stuff out with, without hurting each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you take that away, then the alternative is for people to, to, to become more tribal and less uh, willing to engage people that are different than them, just assuming some, some unfair stereotype about those guys over there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and yes, I'm pointing at the Nude Olympics camp. Um, oh, what event are they on right now? <laughs> Pole vault? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think I, uh, for for me, are there any nude Olympians in the office in the audience? Anybody? Any no. winners? We we only want winners. We don't want any bronze medalists. Okay, yeah. take okay. your bullshit out of here. <laughs> we just want gold here. Um, yeah, well, with the nude Olympics, it's like, it, does it come down to like if someone has a huge hog, like you just have to give them the gold? It's like, I don't know. Maybe that's just I that's mean, how I play. Um, <laughs> but like with. Uh, you know, something uh, it was a great opportunity to write the book because I, I got to look back on like 20 years of comedy of, you know, when I first started out, it was very it, it was very experimental and like, hey, I'd love to try improv. I'd love to try, uh, you know, sketch comedy. I'd love to try stand up and just see what happens. And while I was trying that, it was also I was trying it in an environment where whether you were first starting out or you were there for five years or a 10 year veteran, the idea was you were going to try stuff. You were going to see what works and what doesn't work. And uh, it was an incredibly, you know, freeing and liberating experience, uh, you know, to be there. I think ultimately it came down to like the, um, you know, the, the simplest uh, aspect, which was making people laugh. And I feel like the discussion of comedy, especially over say like the past five to seven years, it's been so intellectualized and it's been so politicized as well. Uh, and people have sort of forgotten that there's something about going, you know, turning on, you know, picking up your phone, watching a video, cracking up or going to a club and having a few beers and, and, and cracking up. There's something that's just so elemental and so important about that, that I really wish that I really want us to get, to get back to that. Um, cause I think that, you know, even before like, you know, the whole idea of like, comedian speaking truth to power and all that it's like no no hold on are you laughing yeah are you able to yeah. laugh and the big thing is like you know when i see when i see some of these critics you know and um you know these woke critics i'm like have you ever laughed in your life is there any joy in your life like the idea that that you uh confront every single thing from a political stance you know um i remember uh what was her name? Her name's Lily, I believe. Um, God, I'm so my, my apologies for not remembering her name, but uh, she's uh, running for uh, she's running for office. Uh, she's from China. Lily or, Tang Williams. Yes, yep. yes. Um, she's fantastic. She did a. Um, have you have you had her on? Yeah, yes. Just recently. Yeah, d- definitely check out um, you know interviews with her. the story she tells is so incredible. Uh, but one of the things that 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 she talks about is how you know in Maoist China everything about your being needs to be about uh you know these tenets of communism every single thing no matter what you do if you're singing a song the way you dress and all that it's completely devoid of individualism 
right? And I've seen that, you know, in the way that people respond to comedy, especially on the, you know, the woke side of mm-hmm. it, where it's how can you make that joke? Um, because that is, you know, politically incorrect. You know, how can you hold these views? How can you, um, you know, how can you uh, have a platform where you allow these views, you know, to go out? It's like, hold on a second. Wow, you're really trying to tear down the individual here. Yeah. And just, you know, recreate man in, in your uh, your politicized image. Yeah, it's 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 torture to watch Stephen Colbert anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm old enough to remember when he was funny. He was and, hilarious. And it's been a long time, too. Yeah. And it's 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 because everything I I I don't know if he's sort of uh, bowing to the mob or if he is one of those secret people behind closed doors that are dictating what the woke mob does. I don't know, but it's not comedy. It's something else. It's it's indoctrination or something. Yeah, the times that I've tuned in or it's mostly com- comes through clips. I'm just like, what? Well, I don't understand. I yeah. don't know what what I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. So how did you? Um, you you went to school, graduate school with Carla. Oh wow! Look at this. I got a, a little bug. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a green guy. It's it's part. Of Is this a tick? <laughs> oh man! If I if I if I come away from Porkfest with uh, Lyme's disease, that's going to be a really that's going to be a bummer. I don't care if I win the nude Olympics. I, I think you I think you signed a thing <laughs> that said you wouldn't sue. Oh my god! How weak am I and and drunk because Matt gave me it's a pilsner, but. I don't know what else is in it. Uh, I can't even blow this little bug off. I would be the worst member of a militia. Like, this dude is so weak, he can't even blow a bug off. There we go. I just flicked that off. If you've made it this far into the show, it means I must be doing something right. Kibbe on Liberty is just one of the amazing products we created for the people. We tell emotionally compelling stories and produce educational videos for the Liberty Curious. Our award-winning documentaries personalize all things liberty, independence, creativity, hard work, integrity, and perseverance. After the show, check out our work at freethepeople.org. And if you like what you see, donate to support what we do. That's freethepeople.org. Now back to the show. Sorry, is, is that part of the indoctrination of joining a militia? Did, I, you, did you try? I, I, I'm wondering. <laughs> I tried. They're like, yeah, man, you don't. You don't even own a gun. Yeah, you're a pussy. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, like, oh yeah, we could use you as bait or something like that. You know. So, so um, I, I think I have a gotcha question. Um, you went to graduate school with Carla. She's a lawyer, isn't she? Yeah. Oh no, but but Are I you went a lawyer. No, no, no. I went with uh, for a fake degree. Okay. I, I got an MFA, Master of Fine Arts, in Creative Writing. So that's how I that's how I met met Carla. You have a master's in fine arts writing. Creative writing. Creative writing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, um, How'd that work out? How did it work out? Well, I wrote a book. So f- so funny you should say. I have a yeah. book coming out. It's called That Joke Isn't Fun Anymore on the Death and Rebirth of Comedy. It's so sad that there are people who have, like, who I went to school with who uh, don't write anymore. And it's like, well, I hope you had fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, writing is a dying art, and, and I, I still like to write, but it's it's difficult in my old age because I fall asleep. Mm. You fall asleep <laughs> doing your own writing? Well, when do you choose that? I mean, you start drinking beer pretty early. I, it's probably, maybe, maybe there's a link between I mean, I'm not saying you're things. Hunter S. Thompson, but he, you know, at least he had some uppers in there. Yeah. You know, he wasn't just drinking you know, delicious IPAs all day. Do you describe in your book why and when you decided, I'm, I'm going to try comedy? Was it, in, was it in school? Like, 
Yeah, well, well, I don't know if I if I talked about it specifically, but I remember I think it was at some point, I think it was kind of like a post 9-11 thing where I was like, you know what, I want to try, I want to try comedy, I want to try improv. I don't want to sound like a hero, but, you know, while other people were going over to fight Al-Qaeda, I was like, you know what, I could do some scenes where I make fun of Al-Qaeda, <laughs> and that will, you know... That's that, probably that, what tipped it. And so cheap, yeah. too. So much cheaper than actually going over there and spending billions of dollars. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I I had always liked uh, comedy. I was always like a class clown. A class clown that got good grades. You know, so like my teachers were kind of okay with, with me messing around. And then eventually I, you know, got the nerve to uh, to do it. That's why when anyone asked me like, oh, I've always wanted to, to try comedy, I'm like, just do it. That's yeah. what you have to do. Just give it a shot. See what happens. And I assume part of that process is being, having the the moral fortitude to suck. Like, oh, man. have you ever had like just awful nights where not a single person? I I, I love that once. I love that Matt brings this up <laughs> today. Where when in about two hours I'm going to be performing live on stage and I'm so rusty. And uh, well, it's, it's funny you bring this up because Matt. And by the way, it'll be a packed house, and these guys are tough. These guys are really tough. They're armed. Yeah, uh, they're, they're super well armed. I mean, it, it's weird, like performing, and it's like everyone is open carrying, and they're not cops, you know. Yeah. And that that's a little crazy. Oh, it's funny as you bring you bring up like not doing well, and I've definitely bombed. I actually bombed at an event where Matt was there. Um, I think it was like SFL. He probably remembers it. He's probably like has it written down. Like, yeah, this this asshole thinks he can get up there for a half hour and make people laugh. And um, but I rem- I remember I kind of felt bad because beforehand you're like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna come catch your set, and then the set didn't do well, and then I think I saw you afterwards and you're like, tough set, <laughs> tough set. He was very honest with me, but at that time. I didn't need Matt Kibbe to be honest with me. I needed him to be to just talk about anything else. Perhaps say, hey, you should write a book in a few years. And that book is called <laughs> That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore on the Death and Rebirth of Comedy. I needed that segue at that time. Matt. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, bombing is a bombing is a really tough thing because it, 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 it tears you apart, tears your soul apart. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of people who are willing to, to do that, you know, to put up with that. And uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It can be tough. So, w- what are the odds tonight that you do well? Oh my god, you guys taking bets? <laughs> I let's see. I I mean, you I, feel good. You said you're rusty. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel. I'm, I'm getting you a little bit liquored up. I don't yeah. know if that's a plus or a minus. It's, it's probably a minus because, like I said, this is way too strong. I haven't eaten really all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of my chances, I think. You know, I look at comedy the same way that the attendees at Porkfest look at the Naked Olympics. I, I think that, you know, all the training, all that means nothing until you get out there, you pull down your draws, and you just let it hang out. You just you just go for it. So I'm going to look at it like that. I'm going to, yeah, this is my Naked Olympics. Yeah. Going up tonight, doing some, some stand-up, and, uh, you know, hopefully maybe before, you know, between now and then, you know, people will give me uh, better chemicals to put in my body that will make it, yeah. Or, or it's probably better that everybody else is chemically, uh, I don't want to say castrated, chemically <laughs> infused so that I'm much funnier in person. I uh, mean, there's, there's probably going to be some weed, so I don't know if that makes for a good audience or not. Right. 
Oh, well, well it's funny because I used to live in, uh, in Los Angeles, and there was a place where we did uh, – I did stand-up once – and everybody in there, nobody was drinking. Everybody was just smoking weed. And the stage was elevated maybe like two feet. And it was like stage and then just smoke cloud just all you around. You couldn't even see people. Yeah, couldn't, even, couldn't even see people. You'd have to like go under the, like the atmosphere you know, to see people. And um, it tripped me up so bad because they were laughing at my setups. <laughs> they weren't even laughing at like punchlines and i'm like whoa this is a whole different rhythm that they're operating on none of them remember that show i remember that show but. so I, I have an idea um i got i got my whole crew here and i think we should go down to lose set and when he tells his best joke and he gets dead silence we should tack that on to the end of this interview oh my god that would be that would be good yeah yeah, it's sort of like, uh, who was that, John Cage, uh, who has like uh, that track. It's just like three minutes and some odd seconds of, of silence. Yeah. Oh, my God, that would be so painful. That would be so painful. I'm actually, one of my goals is to actually have footage of me floating around on the Internet doing stand-up where I'm doing it well. There's so much just garbage. It's just like, well, this guy sucks. Like, he's a mumbling, bumbling fool. Is that, is that what your fans do? They just post the bad stuff? Oh, my God. Well, I start to wonder if they're really my fans. You know, <laughs> No, man, I, I saw you when you were first starting out. I've been doing this for 10 years, man. This is, this is me 10 years deep in this. This isn't so. So tell me about the book. <laughs> uh, which book? Uh, the, any book? The or new book. The new that book. That joke isn't funny anymore on the death and rebirth of comedy. For, for those of you out there who are you know, libertarians and also Smith's fans, you may recognize the cover that I'm paying homage to. It's for the, uh, the Meat is Murder cover of the Smiths, um, the album. And then I have me there with my bearded mug. And it says, Comedy is Murder on my helmet. So no one's really impressed. I got a few nods nods there. You are. Yeah, that's, it's a fairly obtuse reference. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm more. Well, I know you're more of a Grateful Dead guy. So you're like, I don't know. If you're not jamming for 45 minutes straight, I don't, that's not music. <laughs> But but think of think about the uh, the total population of Smith fans, libertarians, um, yeah, nudists. I guess we've added to the right. to the mix uh, who love comedy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll sell dozens of books. Dozens. Yeah. Right right now, I'm I'm, I'm just picturing Glenn Beck doing a Venn diagram where he's like, <laughs> it's he, gonna be on the chalkboard. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> I will sell dozens yeah. of books. Dozens. Uh, but yeah. what what are some of the other themes in the book that, uh, I, that I haven't read yet? Yeah, some of the themes of the book. Um, let's see. I take on uh, I think I take on identity politics. Um, one of the things that you know people out there might not know is my name is Lou Perez. That's what I go by. But my full name is Luis Amate Perez. So I'm uh, Latino. I think I think your camp one of your camera guys is. Are you Latin? What's going on? Yeah, I'm Hispanic. From where? Texas. What? Texas. He's Hispanic from Texas. That's that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm Hispanic from New York, so you're way more Hispanic than I am. Um, and something that, that I realized with, you know, uh, in recent you know, years, it's been like so, you know, such a, a uh, emphasis on your identity, mm -hmm. where you come from, immutable characteristics, shit you, you can't change. Like, it's just you have no control over that. And what I realized is, when I was when I was much younger, I really was into being Latino. 
Like I, that was my that was my thing. Like I used to tell people, no, it's not Lou, it's Luis. Especially chicks, I was trying to go with because it sounds sexier. Um, and my dad, being an immigrant, I was really like you know I was really all about his story in a way. I sort of um, appropriated my dad's immigrant story as my own. You know, it's like I grew up. You know, I, I, I tell a joke like you know my dad you know taught me you know the value of of hard work. That's why I'm trying to live off of his hard work for as long as I can. He's talking about retiring. But I'm like, no, no, Padre, you keep working. I don't care if you're in your 70s. Um, but so much of my identity was, you know, was wrapped up in this name, Luis Amate Perez and Latino and, and, and all that. And then what I found was as I got older and I actually started to accomplish things, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That stuff doesn't really mean shit. What matters is what am I doing? What am I, what, what am I producing? I'm a comedian. And for uh, looking back, it's like, oh, wow, throughout this whole time, like the most important steps I ever made, uh, not only career wise, but also personal was centered around comedy. Comedy has shaped this. Comedy has been my identity. That's really shaped the way that I see the world and I interact with the world. And um, so that's something that, that I that I push back uh, against. And and for the book, I actually I uh, I went ahead and got uh, did a 23 and me. Anybody out here? Have you guys done a 23andMe? Just to find out how Texas you are? Like that? <laughs> um, no, and that was fun because I found out I'm 4.8% indigenous, right? Which, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, you guys are on stolen land right now. Yeah, that's your, that's your ticket, by the way. That's my yeah. ticket. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, man, you know, like, would it be cool if I leaned into that? You know, if I start wearing a headdress and selling dream catchers? Um, the thing about dream catchers is the... Uh, uh, None of them work. It doesn't matter who made them, whether it's you know an indigenous person or, or a white guy. So, At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle 24-7, something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today, just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and check out our exciting merch. You too can love Liberty and look cool. So, <laughs> so uh, that book. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, um, tell us where we can buy your book. Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny you bring that up because you can buy that joke isn't funny anymore on the death and rebirth of comedy. You can buy it at Amazon, uh, or you can buy it on Barnes and Noble, or you can go to SimonandSchuster.com and put in that joke isn't funny anymore. And there's all different ways you could buy it from indie bookstores and. And all of that, and we'll probably, we'll, I'm sure we're going to publish this before the book is released. It's released on September something. September fifth or sixth, never forget. Um, that's when it'll be released. That's when loose book is released. Yeah, and and we were talking about this before, but uh, for people uh, wondering when to buy, um, in order to uh, um, rocket your book to the number one on the charts, uh, it's better to buy early. And maybe often, if if that's the thing you want to do, but but to to start with a good number on on release day will help you achieve your your sort of uh, you'll you'll make the book charts and then then the bookstores will pick it up. So it actually does matter that people do this. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be amazing. Just gaming the system where a libertarian Smiths fan somehow has a, a best selling book. That would be uh, yeah. You you could mark micro target that audience. 
Yeah. Although I think most Smiths fans do not want to read my book. Yeah. They're like, yeah. I, I suspect that's true. Yeah. One guy, I because I, I posted the cover, and the guy said uh, Morrissey is rolling in his grave, and I had to alert the guy. I say Morrissey's not dead. <laughs> um, sorry that you're finding that out this way. But um, anything else you want people to check out? Like you have a website or stuff like that? Yeah, you can check out uh, theluperez.com and sign up for my newsletter. Um, I'm looking to do. Uh, more stand-up comedy and i'm going to be going on tour with the book actually i'm going to hold off on doing more stand-up comedy i'm going to see how uh tonight goes uh with matt yeah. kibbe and and the other free the people guys just recording silence uh are you guys going to be at, at lou's thing tonight anybody going or you got better things to do uh yeah yeah there's one guy's debating it but yeah it's uh, th- that that was the uh the guy who came in second during the nude olympics <laughs> he's like i'm debating I-, I should be training for next year i want to get that gold okay thank you sir thank you matt i don't know if i can get out of this chair because this just rocked me <laughs> thanks for watching if you liked the conversation make sure to like the video subscribe and also ring the bell for notifications And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.